financial advisors um, will often be able to get clients to make money transactions if they understand what is the emotion that is going on for the person. If they merely do it from a financial point of view, the person is often stuck. So I think that um, there's a lot of, as we've been saying through this podcast, fears and concerns and uncertainty going on during this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we can talk about it, um, then it's not a boogeyman in the closet anymore. And if our mate can really hear those, um, there may not any be any uh, solution or quick fix, but it can really feel very healing to be able to um, be open with your partner and have it be understood. Mm-hmm. So that would be what I would suggest. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss how everything from starting a family to purchasing a home is getting postponed because of the financial fallout from the pandemic. So should couples be concerned about this or not? Or how can they take this in stride? Uh, We have answers if you stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the brilliant, the lovely, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And you can get this information and more at her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, life postponements that is ha- that have happened because of, or at least reported to have happened because of COVID-19. Um, a new poll uh, came out where 2,000 Americans responded, and uh, I know you'll get to the caveats in a second. Um, and this is from a company called Life Happens, which is an insurance aggregation service. They are not paying us to say any of this. Um, and they found that 61% of what are deemed traditional life goals, so getting married, starting a family, planning for retirement, buying a house, uh, were no longer important to Americans, uh, at least those who are polled. And of course, well, almost with all of these uh, postponements, money was the main reason. Um our audience are mostly married couples. I know we have a lot of um, longtime uh, couples who are living together and basically are partners. Uh, but, you know, aside from the legalese of the quote unquote marriage contract, um, we'll, we'll, we'll skip that one for now. Uh, do you think postponing um, starting a family will have a big impact on families or is starting a family 
a year or two later than you had planned on it, like really not that big of a deal? I don't think it's a big deal. As a matter of fact, I think it might actually be something that is advantageous to the couple. Uh, and to the children, because it gives the couple a chance to get to know each other better. Uh, it gives them a chance to uh, enjoy their freedom as a couple, although during COVID, obviously, we don't have that many freedoms, but it's still where you're not living the stress of having a family. Um, and again, as I started, um, it gives you an opportunity to really get to know each other and to learn how to deal with one another before you bring on the addition of children. So I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I'm working with couples and they tell me that they've waited a couple of years before they had children in my head, I think, oh, you know, that was a good thing to do. Yeah. The, the one scenario where I feel like, uh, like I'm in full agreement with all that, uh, that you just said, the one scenario where I feel like it could potentially be detrimental or at least definitely mess with the game plan that you might have as a couple is if you Mm -hmm. already have kids and you didn't want a growing gap between them, Yes, um, you know, to, uh, hamper things. So, um, that would be one scenario where I'd think like, Ooh, that would be tough. Uh, right. Right. But, uh, as I will mention later on, I, you know, we're already seeing this trend anyway. So, uh, the postponement, I don't think to your point is that big of a deal. Right. Um, we know that planning for retirement is important, particularly when you're young, because the, uh, returns become exponential as you get older. Um, you know, assuming everything goes well, (laughs) um, but we also know that it's not impossible to start retirement planning later on in life. Um, is this even a question of survive? I mean, is this, is this really like that big of an issue if the main concern today is surviving, um, Or should you really weigh the options of trying to balance today's survival with tomorrow's planning? Well, you know, when I read this question, I thought to myself, I don't know really how many young families plan for retirement. I mean, I think it's a good idea, but I don't know how many really plan for retirement. I, my instinct is to say that people really don't start planning for retirement until they are several years into their marriage and their family. Um, Because in the beginning, um, many times there are debts. uh, You're trying to um, perhaps save money for a house. You have um, the expenses of, uh, you know, a new child coming in. So, how many different things, you know, can you take care of at once? But especially now, um, when the unemployment rate is so high, and a lot of people are struggling um, with money, uh, it's going to be very difficult to plan for retirement and. If the choice is between planning for 20, 30 years ahead or surviving, I think that the you know the natural thing to do is to be worried about right now, be worried about the here and now. Mm-hmm. Do you? I uh, I, I I agree. Um, do you think that couples should have a game plan to resurrect the conversation? Uh, 
you know, like let's reassess thing in six months, reassess things in six months or, you know, but this time next year we need to rethink where we're at or anything like that. Sure. I think that's a good idea. But again, you know, I remember years ago, and I may have even told this to you through the years, you know, we've been together so long, Steve, I don't remember which anecdotes I've told you. But years ago when I was in graduate school, um, one of the papers I had to do, I was uh, questioning my friends who were the same age as I was um, about where did they see themselves five years from now. And they looked at each other like, huh? You know, we've never even thought about that. So I don't know really how many people even think about retirement, let alone resurrect the conversation in six months or a year from now. But do I think it's a good idea? Sure. I mean, I think I've told you this. Richie and I already have talked about how we want our funerals to go. And that's not a new conversation. We've been discussing that for years. So um, I think it depends on who you are as people and um, how much planning you do and how much um, you want to have control over your life. You know, it's going to depend on your personalities. Um, for me personally, I think having um, some sense of what your future will look like and being prepared for it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally agree. Uh, one of the, you know, talking about retirement planning and, and financial burdens, 47% said that their student loans mm. were also making them delay some of their life milestones. And one of the interesting things about um, the student loan uh, debt as opposed to basically all other debt is you can't get rid of it. Like you can't yeah. file for bankruptcy and wipe it away like a credit card or something. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's it's crazy. Anyways, um so, uh, one of the, so one of the milestones that I mentioned at the very top was, um, not buying a house as well. Um, and it becomes interesting as to how all of this stuff becomes connected together since buying a home, uh, is how, all, you know, most couples in this country, uh, individuals in this country, uh, build equity, which then mm-hmm. becomes part of the retirement planning. So this right. can directly connects to the previous question. Um, so is this the new normal, I guess, with the student loans? Cause that's not COVID related at all. Um, right. Is this the new normal that we're, I mean, particularly since we're already getting married later, we're already having kids later and we're already retiring later. And none of these things are related to COVID-19. I think it's just highlighted as in so many other ways, uh, the, the, it's kind of like stripped the veneer off of how our society actually works and operates. And I think we're having a bit of a reckoning about the realities of it for the first time in a really long time. Yes. And, and I want to add that not only are you correct about that, everything has sort of gotten delayed from where it used to be years ago. Um, I don't know that people have as much of a sense of, um, I guess for lack of a better word right now, I'm going to say commitment um, as far as very specific traditional forms. So in other words, um, our society no longer um, casts aspersions upon people having children who are not married. Mm-hmm. Um there are obviously lots of people who have alternate lifestyles who adopt children. Um, 
you know, um, we we just are far more accepting of lots of varied types of lifestyles. And I think because of that, that may factor into also, there is no reason that we have to get married right away. There is no reason that we have to buy a house right away. Um, you know, um, there are some of my friends who are my age and they're still not grandparents mm-hmm. um, because everybody is starting things much later. Um, so I think that the entire landscape of our society is um, much more fluid and flexible um, and that um aside from you know the challenges of covid i think that that background has had a very large impact in um the behaviors that we take as far as our commitments to these standards and to the way we spend our money etc you know even including women's lib that right. women are are you know and dual uh income families that you know women now contribute much more etc so everything looks very different than it did uh 30 40 years ago which is really not all that long ago but you know 30 40 years ago right is um i mean it seems like flexibility and fluidity is all part of the new skill set that's required in modern society. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, yeah, I mean, I know things have changed in the past, um, but it does feel like the, instead of like one thing changing, all of it is changing the, the anyways, uh, that's, I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here. Um, so if, if it, you know, it seems like we are living more and more and more in this world of uncertainty. So how, mm-hmm. how are couples supposed to plan for it all? Well, I think it's going to have to be an attitudinal shift. And by that, I mean, um, understanding, I mean, the truth of the matter is nothing is ever for certain. You know, um, somebody in our family always says, you know, you make a plan and God laughs at it, meaning that, you know, you can't ever plan on anything for sure. Um, and, And that is truly the reality. There is nothing that you really can count on. The only difference now is I think we're more aware of that. We're, we're more, you know, um, certain of the uncertainty. So I think that, you know, you can have a basic structure, a basic outline, but that what one has to really adapt is a willingness to be flexible, to flow, and to not get hung up on, well, this was our plan. Mm. And now, you know, because it's not happening, it ruins everything. I think there has to be an attitude of, okay, this is what we'd like to see, and this is what we're hoping happens, um, but we have a plan B, or we're certainly not going to fall apart if this doesn't work you know, the way we had thought it might work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because when you think about what used to be considered like midlife crisis, Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, the 40 something, maybe 50 something getting the Corvette and you know, the whole, the whole thing, right. Changing the Mm world and all that stuff. It's like now in your forties, you have your first kid, Right. It's it's like it's so it's so different now that, um, you know, your midlife crisis is 
you know, 60s, 70s. And I wonder if because we also know that like the hormone, like testosterone drops in men, for example, that the the whole dynamic of the cliche of life experience, life stages is all shifting, uh, which oh, geez, I absolutely we know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do know that. We know that, um, I think it's called, I can't remember exactly, like the second uh, adulthood, because you have the first one that used to end at around like 55, and then you have a whole other 15, 20 years where you still are viable and can work and even come up with another career. So the longevity... um, the fact that, you know, that we live longer and that we're vital and that we're capable um, puts a whole different slant on everything in life. Mm-hmm. We don't have to rush to the altar at 18 or 19 or 20. Right. And, you know, and the other thing, I I, I like reading a lot, uh, books that uh, throw that that show the positivity in the world. Um, I was going to say show the positive spin, but it's not even spin. It's just fact. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the reasons that couples got married at 18 and 19 years old is because they were about to be shipped off to war mm-hmm. and they would get married so that both of them would have the benefits of serving, you know, in the military kind of a thing. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I just think that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the days when I used to work at a, um, at entrepreneur magazine, uh, and we would, we were reporting on Starbucks and this was before Starbucks was on every single corner, but it was starting Mm -hmm. to happen. And we were trying to explain what it was about Starbucks specifically and what their business plan and business model was. And one Mm -hmm. of the things with their business model was that they wanted to create, I can't remember if it was a third space or a fourth space for people. And it was recognizing the shifting dynamics of society. And so you had your, your home, you Mm -hmm. had your workplace and, or your school. That's why I can't remember. It's three or four, four Mm -hmm. fourth. And for the young people who couldn't afford a home, um, and they didn't want to hang out at home and they didn't want to hang out at school. This the mm. coffee shop, the Starbucks that was on every mm. corner became that fourth place for them to hang out. Um, hmm. almost like replacing shopping malls for teenagers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like skewing older and that was like the older version of the teenage shopping mall experience. Hmm. And I just think that this is uh, happening throughout society in so many little tiny ways. And you start to recognize it when we slow down and really consider all of it. So anyways, that's just a a random aside that I thought was interesting. Interesting though. It is interesting. Um, okay. So, um, I know, uh, this is not a financial advice podcast in general. Um, but so many, and we've talked about this so many times too, Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, it's not about money. Isn't about money. It's correct motion. It's life plans are tied up with money. So what can people do, um, mentally and emotionally since all this postponement at we, as we bring it back to the very beginning here, all these postponements, uh, related to COVID were happening because of self-reported financial stress and strain? My usual answer is (laughs) to have 
you know, to talk about it, to express your feelings, to express your concerns, your fears, and if you're the listening partner, to validate it, to not, you know, poo-poo it or dismiss it or say, you know, don't be silly or whatever. The more that you can be open and honest with your partner and express what's going on for you, the more you'll understand each other. And, um, you know, as I've mentioned in a podcast, who remembers when, um, financial advisors um, will often be able to get clients to make money transactions if they understand what is the emotion that is going on for the person. If they merely do it from a financial point of view, the person is often stuck. So I think that um, there's a lot of, as we've been saying through this podcast, fears and concerns and uncertainty going on during this time. Um, And if we can talk about it, um, then it's not a boogeyman in the closet anymore. And if our mate can really hear those, um, there may not any be any uh, solution or quick fix, but it can really feel very healing to be able to um, be open with your partner and have it be understood. Mm-hmm. So that would be what I would suggest. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think I might've mentioned this in the past, but, uh, when my wife and I, we met with a, uh, financial planner, uh, a while back and it, it was, it was a great experience because to your point, talking about like the emotion, we, I mean, very little of the initial conversation at least was about money itself. It was about mm-hmm. what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How do you want to live? What are your dreams? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? Like all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. the money is, you know, it, it's not the thing. It's it's what can what does that money do for you? Mm-hmm. And um, I think when people recognize that, it, it really does help the conversation because then you don't get stuck in the dollars and cents of everything. You get more. You're able to focus on what really matters most in the conversation. Yes. And that was a smart financial advisor. And I would also add to that, not only what are your dreams, what are your aspirations, but where do you have your concerns? Mm -hmm. In other words, um, is there a concern that you won't have enough for retirement? Is there a concern that if we, you know, that the way the money will be managed, um, only one of you will be controlling it? So there's lots of... Um, emotionality or issues, if you will, that can be tied up um, as far as what the money represents to people. Mm -hmm. And so those have to be looked at as well. Yes. Uh, Fortunately, Jess and I both have the same uh, deep-rooted fear, which is to become homeless. Mm. (laughs) Like we want security and shelter. Like that is, uh, you know, outside of all that, like how we want to live our lives. But that is what, uh, like talking about the fears, that's the fear. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, um, with all of this being said, and with all these life postponements, is there anything else that you wanted to add as people weather this, uh, latest storm? Well, not really. The only thing which you alluded to in the beginning, again, I want to remind people that this is a survey and that what we know is from a research point of view, people who respond to surveys are a a 
particular type of person. So we don't know, even though there were so many people who responded to this uh, 2000, uh, we don't know if they are of a different um, species, so to speak, right. you know, just because they're willing to respond to a survey. Um, again, I just want to stress, because I really think that this is an important point. Um, stress comes from um, uncertainty and from not knowing what the outcome is going to be and feeling out of control. And so the best thing that any of us can do in times of stress, especially COVID, is to realize that in reality, there is nothing we have control over. This is just a very large example of it. And so get as much information as you can. Um, Take as much control as you can, which is through the mask wearing and the washing of the hands. I know a lot of people don't like the idea of wearing masks. They feel that it is um, encumbering on their freedoms. Um, I would remind people that we wear seatbelts. We have our children wear helmets when they uh, get on bicycles. Um, so this is not really to, um, you know... Uh, stop people from having freedom. This is so that we can all continue to live and enjoy our freedoms. I so. can't with the no mask wearing. I'm just going to, I'm going to be blunt. If you're not wearing a mask, you're putting everybody in harm's way. So, and you're slowing down the economic recovery. And if, yep. Uh, yep. If you want to make that argument, then explain to me why you wear a T-shirt when you go into a store or where you wear shorts or pants. It's a civil society and this is what we do to survive. Yeah. Like, the no mask wearing, I just can't. Yeah. Uh, it's completely irresponsible and totally selfish and shame on you. And I, I'm <laughs> totally comfortable saying that. Like shame on you for not wearing a mask. This is that's a selfish thing to do. We are in a global pandemic. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm done being nice about it because every other country has first world country seems to have figured it out and uh, we are spiking again as we record this. Well, you know, that is one of the downfalls of being a democracy. It is. Yes. Uh, the problem is, is like, you know, we are a democracy, but we are also a society. And in order for a society to function, we have yeah. to act responsibly as a civil society and take care of one another. And when you don't yeah. wear a mask, you're no longer holding up your end of the bargain. So, yep. Um, I agree. Okay. <laughs> I hope that won't turn any of our podcast listeners to becoming non-listeners, but... I hope um, not too, but I feel like uh, if there's one thing that people get out of this podcast is that I practice what I preach and that I always try to be honest and open and respectful and um, I'm not calling anybody names, um, but I do feel like this is a, literally a life and death matter. And I don't think there's wiggle room for conversation about freedoms at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> well, that took a dark turn at the end, but hopefully people stuck around and uh, <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always, always, always a pleasure. Uh, your thank you. Steve. Advice is insightful as always. And, um, I want to thank you and want to remind everyone that you are a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. You are the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. You are also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And people can find more information uh, at 
your website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, we have this information on our website, hitchedmag.com, along with thousands of articles, the entire 500-plus episode archive of our podcast, and a free weekly newsletter that goes out Monday evenings. Um, It takes about 30 seconds to sign up, and it includes all the latest information we put out for the week, uh, the highlighted information at least, uh, which includes the latest episode of the podcast. So um, if you want to keep in touch, that's the best, simple, easiest way to do so. Um, And with that, we will wrap it up. So thank you one last time, and until next time, take care, everybody. (laughs) 